Welcome everyone to Yanks in Europe. I'm your host, David. In this episode, I've got a special guest with me, Guillermo, who's going to break down the Gold Cup. We're going to talk about each group, key factors, our predictions, an in-depth look at the United States squad. But first, we're going to kick it off with a little bit of transfer talk. Guillermo, what do you think is the big, biggest transfer the United States have going on right now? Um, one of the transfers that has impressed me the most or shocked me was the fact that Sebastian Soto is going on loan from Norwich City to Porto. I think he's a great addition for Porto. He's going to probably have a starting potential there, and I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, they're coming back up to the Premier League, Norwich, um, who transferred him over to uh, loaned him over to Porto uh, again. It seems like he couldn't get any game time there last season with them being in the second division. So obviously with them getting promoted to the Premier League, chances of getting any game time were going down more. I'm a little nervous, though, that Porto is going to be in that European competition spot where maybe he doesn't get much game time at all. He might be just a Porto B player. Yeah, I agree with you, but there's chances that he could surprise Porto and, hey, he could um, start starting from them. Yeah, you know, injuries happen. We don't root for them, but it's a thing. Uh, also, Conrad De La Fuente going from Barcelona to Marseille. This was not a loan like the Soto one. This was a transfer. So I think this is a lot better for Conrad. Uh, the odds of him playing much for Barca at a wing position at all this year with them trying to rebound from what was pretty much a horrible season for Barcelona last year, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think anyone playing under great names in Barcelona – it's hard to get a chance and you have to make your make a name out of yourself in different clubs. So I feel like this is a great move for him to at least develop himself to be the star potential player he can be. True. And Marseille, they're not going to be fighting for to win France, in my opinion. I think that's with what PSG has done over the last uh, month with all their transfers. They might run away with this by uh, by late March, early April. So good spot for him to get some game time. Uh, Horvath. Hasn't actually um, gone anywhere, the goalkeeper from Club Bruges, but Fulham seems to be the strongest lead there. Um, I personally don't love this. I know we've watched Horvath struggle to get um, game time in Belgium. If you're struggling to get game time in Belgium, why are you going to get game time in England? Um, Especially with, unless Fulham's keeper um, from France does end up leaving, this seems to be a hard spot for him to get. I don't think he's better than Fulham's current keeper, Ariola, But you know, if he's if Ariola does leave, I think it's a good spot for Horvath. So I'm kind of on the fence on this transfer, if that does go through. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think if I recall, isn't Ariola kind of like a little bit older or no? No, he's. I think he's a he's a young French keeper, rough, probably about I mean, the same age as Horvath. But I think it's around almost in his twenty high twenties, mm. low thirties. He probably is. So if he but, if he leaves, it's good. Yeah, I think if he leaves, he gets a good um, chance to start against trying to prove himself. But I think he could play in, like, friendly matches and figure out what he's made out of. Uh, I think if he stays here for the long run, he could potentially have a starting position there. Yeah, and more more than likely cup-tied FA Cups, Carabao Cups, you know, this and that. And Fulham's going to be having a new manager with Scott Parker moving to Bournemouth. So new manager, you don't have much favoritism going in there. You can fight for that spot. Um, Also, Caden Clark is going from the New York Red Bull to Red Bull Leipzig to be under the U S manager in in Germany. Um, This is a good one. Uh, Just, you know, more, more players from the MLS going over to Germany. It seems like it's kind of like 
the big big leads for the MLS. They just end up going over there. We've seen it for over a decade now. He is on loan back to the New York Red Bull, who are you know trying to fight for a playoff spot. This loan could end, you know, in November if they don't make the playoffs. It could end in December. It could end in January. It really just depends on how far the Red Bull go, and they're a good squad. So um, I, I really like that one. And no big news yet on Josh Sargent. There was a lot of whispers of Borussia Mönchengladbach making a move for him. I was a fan of that. Um, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen at the moment. They may have uh, pulled out their interest, but you know we've been watching uh, Sargent kind of struggle at Werder Bremen just with the way that they play. They, you know, they've played to win games uh, one nothing or draw them zero zero zero. It's not a good spot for a striker who you know needs some goals for confidence. And the way that Borussia Mönchengladbach plays, they don't care if they win a game five to three. They'd rather win it five three than one nothing. It's an excellent spot if this transfer were to go through. You think? Yeah, I think um, he has a lot of talent. I like Josh Sargent a lot. I mean, he has almost eighteen goals in the two to- in the two teams he's played for in the Western Berman. So at least he's proven that he can be an efficient striker. And really want to see what he can do in a different team or have a potential because even for the U.S. United States, U-17, he was one of the star players scoring almost 30 goals for them. So I want to see what this kid can do going forward. I think he has a pretty good future, especially as a United States striker. I mean, yeah, but it all starts with those. the club, it, it, you know, because that's where he is most of his time. And I think he's at the wrong club now. So I know a lot of uh, a lot of fans out there are hoping for a move. And I think we're going to get one this summer. Um, but Let's let's bring it on to the groups. Uh, we've got the Gold Cup starting tomorrow. Um, we've got some big news coming out of all of Group A to start with. Uh, we've got Mexico, El Salvador, Curacao, and Trinidad. Up until roughly an hour ago, Guillermo, what's the news there with uh, with Curacao? Uh, from what I found out and heard, Curacao is actually out of the tournament due to COVID recent, and Guatemala has subbed in in the last minute spot which puts um canceling the games for tomorrow into putting them into i believe it's sunday now they play yeah el salvador curacao was supposed to kick off at five o'clock tomorrow this is a bit of a bummer um justin clivert was managing this curacao squad netherlands legend i was very excited just to see what um what he was going to bring as a manager you know he's bagged how many goals in his career um, and just to kind of see that that bit of flair that he had possibly on display for his um, for the team he was managing. So not only does this bring in Guatemala, who lost in penalty kicks, their chance of getting into the Gold Cup, kind of like a second life, if you will, with this. Um, it gives El Salvador a bit of a scheduling blunder now that their game from Saturday is being moved to Sunday. You've got them playing Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday. Three games in seven days isn't fun, um, but. You know, I think um, a squad managed by former United States uh, player will will fare well there. But out of this group, who do you think is going to top it? I'm going to guess your your take is Mexico. <laughs> Mexico is the clear winner for me here. I think uh, El Salvador and Trinidad is going to be the key match here because I think either or could take second spot. And then I put Guatemala, unfortunately, at last. I mean, they are yeah. the last minute fill-in. I'm not sure exactly how much practice they have put in. Yeah, do you think they're coming and here and they might just get slaughtered every game? I'm a bit nervous for them. I don't think it'll be a slaughter. I think they can probably put up a fight against El Salvador and Trinidad. I think they could, you know, potentially get some ties out of it. But against Mexico, I, I don't see them putting up a fight. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've got Mexico first. I've got El Salvador second, um, edging out Trinidad and Guatemala now coming in fourth. Is there a, a specific game out of this group that you, um, you've got your eye on? I think El Salvador Trinidad seems to be, you know, whoever can get a win out of that possibly can, um, can turn that into second place because if that that game tends to end up really close if that does end up in a draw it's pretty much who beats Guatemala by the most yeah I you know like I said before El Salvador Trinidad that's the key match I think even if they play their cards smart and I would say El Salvador Trinidad should need to play against Mexico they want to play for that draw they can't they want to push for the win but I if you get a loss against Mexico, mm-hmm. it's guaranteed, you know, it's probably protected that you're going to lose. But if you get that draw, it boosts your chances higher to end up getting that second spot. I agree with you there. And does that put, you think El Salvador may be in a driver's seat, being that they play Mexico as the third game? Mexico opens up with two wins against Trinidad and Curacao or in Guatemala. They've got six points. Maybe they don't need everything in that El Salvador match. Um, I don't think it literally puts them in the driver's seat because what if Trinidad also holds them to a one, one that's draw true. or just that's zero true. zero draw? Then that's pressure on El Salvador to either get a draw or to try to get the win. So I think it does puts them. It can it's like a double edged sword because if you know Trinidad gets loses, then you play for the draw. But if they win, that's a lot of pressure for you to go up against Mexico. But you know Mexico for me is the the clear front runner to win this whole thing. So yeah, I totally agree. Um, so let's kick, kick it off on Group B, the United States group. Um, United States, Canada, Haiti, Martinique. Um, with the big news that Alfonso Davies has taken an injury for Canada and who was, my opinion, the best player in this tournament, I, I think that kind of puts U.S. Um, in first here. I was a little on the fence whether the United States would win this group, being that Canada has a well-experienced team and the best player of the tournament. But with that drop um, and not being unknown who's going to fill his role, uh, I don't know where the goals are going to come from uh, for Canada. So I, I like the United States in first here um, with Canada in second and then Haiti Martinique finishing out in third and fourth, probably really close, um, you know, maybe drawing each other and having one point to end this group. Yeah, I see the, I see the group as a very competitive group. I think United States and Canada can definitely throw some punches at each other. I think they're the clear top two. Now, which one will end up at first and second? I really can't tell you. I like both teams. United States is coming in with a with a young team that's trying to prove themselves right now. So there might be some fire there to, you know, play better and just show what they got and maybe even clean sweep this crew. But with them being young and not having the experience, I think it can go either or. Same thing with the bottom three and fourth team with Haiti and Martinique. I think they can throw blows, but I see them basically being the bottom two. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, it, that is always the thing when you have a young squad going into a tournament like this. The United States could go out there and beat everybody up, or they could go out there and get a win in two draws and all of a sudden come second or third place in this group, depending on what happens. Yeah, there is potential that, you know, United States may not even get out of the group B, but I, I, that's why... I wouldn't go that far just because they have, in my opinion, the biggest gap between the first and second place team in this group and third and fourth. I think Haiti and Martinique are far below the caliber that United States and Canada is. You know, if you stick the United States in a different group, like possibly group A with like Mexico, El Salvador, Trinidad type thing, um, then you look differently in the fact that they're going to have to play hard fought games. I, you know, the United States has their kickoff on Sunday and I expect them to win that, you know, 
two, three, maybe even four goals, depending on how hard Haiti needs to push for a goal differential or try and fix things. Um, but let's continue on to group C Costa Rica, Jamaica, Suriname and Guadalupe. Um, again, I, I think this is a kind of a obvious one, two punch, uh, Jamaica, Costa Rica. I think Jamaica is the better side here. Um, this isn't the same Costa Rica team that we've watched play in the world cup. Not so long ago, make a quarterfinals run. They don't have their, um, best player in Kaylor Navas in goal and Jamaica quite possibly could have the best goalie in this tournament with Andre Blake. And I think he'll be ready to face all the shots that Costa Rica has coming and Suriname and Guadalupe, um, happy to be here at this tournament you know they're gonna get games on fox good for them but uh i don't see them getting out of this group at all what do you think yeah for sure costa rica and jamaica top two no doubt i would put costa rica above jamaica uh i like costa rica uh they they have chances they've proven they can surprise you when their backs against the walls but they can for sure i believe fight for that number one spot if not guarantee themselves in second I totally agree there. Now, um, you have a particular game that you like to keep your eyes on in this group. I obviously, I think Costa Rica, Jamaica seems to be the best one. I don't think anybody's, um, I don't think anybody's stealing, stealing points here. I think Jamaica and Costa Rica should be beating Suriname and Guadalupe in those two games to kick off the groups. Yeah. Um, I think any other game that's not Costa Rica and Jamaica is going to be a snooze fest of just one team scoring either two or three goals. So, for sure, keep an eye on that. Hopefully, you know, maybe we get a draw and Jamaica beats in more goals for. Mm-hmm. But the teams, they want to go out there and try to beat the other for that one one spot. Whoever wins gets it. I think if it comes down to a draw, it's just going to come down to which side has the better offense. And I honestly believe that Jamaica may have that edge on them. Totally. I got you there. Now, Group D, we've got, in my opinion, the – um probably the toughest group to judge. I think all the teams in it could, could shock some people. You've got Honduras, Panama, Qatar, and Granada. I think uh, Honduras is probably the best side here. They've been, you know, to a couple world cups lately. They're always um, fighting for that spot in CONCACAF, uh, making semifinals of the tournaments. So I, I think they definitely come first. And then you've got Panama. I think Qatar is the one to watch though. They're coming into this tournament. They should have been in the Copa America. If it wasn't for COVID, they would have been playing in the Copa America along with Australia and pulled out of that tournament. They accepted the invitation from the Gold Cup, hosting the World Cup next year. This is, um, they're also AFC, uh, the Asian Cup champions. You know, they've got nothing to lose here. And they're, they're getting their first uh, shine on the spotlight in the um, Western Hemisphere. I, I think, uh, I think I like them to come second. Yeah. I mean, Qatar could definitely have a show in here and they can prove, you know, they are a legitimate contender to get out of group D. I like Honduras a lot. Um, I haven't really seen much of the Granada play for play. I will put them at last. I think Panama and Qatar are fighting, but I would put Qatar at second. In my opinion, like you said, Qatar is hosting the world cup next year. So if they get, they can show a good outing right here in this group, get out, maybe even make it to the quarters or semis. It's a good view for them. And I think they can even compete to try to get into the world cup as well. Does that give you that, um, that Panama Qatar game to be kind of the biggest one in the group, the one to watch? Yeah, for sure. Qatar, I think can beat Panama one nil, but that's just my thoughts. That's just my prediction on it. No, uh, Panama can surprise us. 
they have surprised many teams before, but I think for me, Honduras takes it at one, Qatar takes it at two, Panama, and then Granada. Well, that, that finishes off our group A through D um, breakdown. Big, um, big scheduling thing that I do want to point out from CONCACAF, each team that we predicted to go first and second in the groups actually play each other in the third place in the third match of the group stage. So, you know, you can see anything happen. Uh, if the team we pre- predict to come in second actually beats the team we think comes in first, then you've got a whole new uh, group layout. Um, also, Group B plays Group C in the quarterfinals. Group A plays Group D. So you got some stuff to look out for. Possibly United States Mexico in the um, in the semifinals if uh, if they both win their groups. But that's well down the road. They uh, they need to perform first. But speaking of the United States, what we're here for, let's get into that squad breakdown, Guillermo. Um, started off at goalkeeper because, you know, that's, I think, where the United States needs to kick it off well is who's in goal. We have three on the roster, Matt Turner, Sean Johnson, Brad Guzan. I know Matt Turner's only started one game for the United States, but I think this is his goal. Um, Sean Johnson and Brad Guzan are the oldest players on the roster. They're actually the only players on the roster over the age of 30. Um, if this tournament was five years ago i think brad guzan would be the captain of the squad um being that he has 64 caps for the united states plays well for atlanta but this this is matt turner's time i think it's his goal what do you think yeah matt turner i think will have a really good showing in this tournament especially on this group i believe with a solid defense and him being back there um they can for sure make contests for maybe just giving up one goal in the whole group in my opinion yeah, true, true. I, I got you there. Um, do you think we see Sean Johnson or Brad Guzan in some squad rotation? Uh, being that, you know, obviously we think that the United States should be performing pretty well in their group against the likes of Haiti and Martinique. Or do you think just just get Matt Turner ready for the for the knockout stages? I think you get Matt Turner ready. I would say the only times you should put the more experienced player like Brad Guzan maybe is if you're in that um. The semifinals or the quarterfinals, it's a penalty shootout. You want someone with experience back there. I mean, one cap to 64 caps is a huge experience yeah. gap. And I think, you know, that's where you want the experienced person at to mm-hmm. make sure they're there for the blocks. Like, it could be a good experience. You could leave Matt Turner, depending on how well he's doing. Yeah. But I think going with the experience in the penalty shootouts where yeah. the only time to shoot throw someone that's in, in there that's older. I like that idea. I don't think enough teams do it. And it always seems to pan out when you sub that goalkeeper in at the end of the end of extra time. That's just like, he's just ready for penalties. That's all he does is he saves penalties. <laughs> it seems to always work, I mean, but for some reason teams don't do it that often. I mean, you play 120 minutes, you know, you're going to get tired. Your mind's foggy. So when you put someone in that has a fresh view, they've watched the game, they know the person's how they can read it, you know? Yeah, they know they spent, where they're going to shoot. They've it's probably spent the last time. half hour studying on the sidelines while the other guy is on the field. Yeah, getting warmed up, getting ready, stretched out. And I'm pretty sure that's something – I can't remember what team I saw do that. And I believe it was um, I know Ecuador, Argentina actually. Do it Because Caballero is a big penalty um, saver. Yeah, it might have been Ecuador, Argentina. So mm-hmm. they put in, they had a young keeper in, and when the penalty came in for the penalty shootout, they had to sub the keeper in. And, it and actually, they got a stick. It worked, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they got the stop, and it was the stop they needed to win the whole thing. So, I mean, it's been proven to work before, you know. So we can always the thing to try, in my opinion. For sure. Uh, let's take that into the defense. Um, I think we have four obvious starters. Um Personally, we've got Reggie Cannon uh, as a wing back. You've got uh, Vines, 
Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson. Um, just there's no other names on this roster that I think are deserving at the moment to start for uh for this defensive team. Um, Cannon at right back, Zimmerman and Robinson in the middle, and Vines on left. Um, do you see any other player there who? maybe could jump into the starting lineup. I, I have like a huge love for James Sands, the first uh, Academy player for New York city football club. Um, and I think maybe in one of these group games, he could slot in there, has the ability to play a defensive mid or a center back, depending on what you want out of him. But um, what do you think? You think any other name to shout out there in the defense? Uh, I honestly don't have any other names. I really do love the fact that James Sands is being called up to the team. This kid is versatile. I mean, he's only 21 years old. He can play defense. He can play midfield. Put him anywhere, man. You mm-hmm. know, they he can do it all for you. He's young, fired up, ready to prove that he's worthy of starting for the United States. And I can't wait to see what he can do. If I'm just can't just wait to watch the game to see when he gets subbed in. For sure, and a big um big stat for him so far in the MLS uh, this season over ten games, ninety percent passing. That, that wow. doesn't happen for 21-year-old defenders. It just doesn't, um, and that's something to, you know, you give would a think big shout to. As a young player, he's selfish, but he plays it like the best, you know. Yeah. Pirlo was a great passer. <laughs> I, I would love to see him become a Pirlo. Uh, well, <laughs> let's crack that into the midfield. Um, this is maybe a spot where the, the midfield and the forwards confuse me, not confuse me, but... I'm just not sure where um, where our manager is going to take this. Does he want to go straight up experience? Does he want to go who's got the hot hand lately? Um, Sebastian Legette seems to be going to every single game for the United States, um, whether it be a friendly in Europe or a tournament here, a tournament there. So I think he's definitely starting. Uh, seven goals in 24 games, actually, besides Giacchini, who has two goals in three games, has our biggest um, goals per game ratio with a 0.29 out of the midfield. So he scores when we need him to. You've got Jackson Ewell, um, Kellen Acosta, Christian Roldan, very experienced players that um, could f- be in the mix there. Also, Gianluca Busio and Eric Williamson have, haven't been capped, but they're very good players. So you've got five players there that besides Legette that I'm trying to figure out who, who's putting up. What do you think? Man, I one name that I love a lot is this kid. Gianluca Busio. Uh, he surprises me. I think he should start instantly, in my opinion. Put him up there, see what he can do. I mean, he's played for Kansas City. He has started for them 15 times this year. Has only one goal, but he does put up good numbers. And I think that him next to Sands are my two young players that I want to keep an eye on this tournament to see how they do it because I think they could be – um, some good players for the future for the United States. Yeah, and we already have how many stars of the future that the United States is talking about with Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic. I wouldn't mind adding a couple more names to that list from this tournament and just getting some uh, players <laughs> big-time experience. Um, now, I, I do like... Uh, I think Kellen Acosta or Jackson Ewell probably gets into the midfield because you don't want to throw both of those young guns out there. Um, yeah. But I think uh, I think... Acosta seems to be the best fit along with Legette and either Busio or Williamson. Uh, but, you know, our first game is against Haiti, so that could be a time just to try Busio out there, make sure he's good, see what he can do later in the in the tournament as well. But let's uh, go into the forwards. This is definitely the, the spot where it's like, who's going to play? Because you have Daryl DK, who just like did great in England um, towards the second half of the season. You have Matthew Hoppe, who had his stretch for Schalke, where he was putting in goals. 
Joshi Zardes is just back. Um, he's, you know, now won the MLS. He keeps on scoring whenever he wants to, it seems. And I just don't know the front three that he's going to go with. I would like, I think Zardes is a shoe in kind of like legit is in the midfield, but are there two other names that you think should be out there? I like DK. What do you think? I personally, I want to see Nicolas Giacchini out there. I think I personally just love seeing young players. I want to see if we're taking a young roster, let's show them what our young roster can do. Throw out those young players with some experience and see how well this kid can do. He plays in the France Liga too. So I think with three, three starts, he has three starts to score twice for the United States at the age of 20. Let's keep it going. Let's see what he can do. Maybe going into um, game two, game three, if he doesn't perform game one, we can try seeing what we can sub out there. But I have a young person on each role that I'm looking for. Yochini, Sands, and, <clears throat> excuse me, Bushio. Those are the three players I'm keeping my eye on that I want to see them at least start one game and go from there. I got you. I really do like that take. You know, we're bringing so many young players. There's no point in not playing them. Um, you know, it's it's just all about getting into the mind of Greg Berhalter and thinking where he's taking the squad because if the the young the young players that we have, it's definitely not our best squad, but it is it's better than the teams that will play. So why not play them? Um, you know, it's not these guys that you could put in like a Zardes, like a Kellen Acosta, like a Christian Roldan, they're not playing at the World Cup in 2022. They're just not going to be yep. on that roster. So what's the point of playing them here? Uh, is yeah. that uh, that kind of your take on it? Um, yeah. I mean, we. I think this Gold Cup, as I think United States can win it, I think they should also see it as a chance to see which developing pieces they can bring to the World Cup and which developing pieces they can use to try to qualify for the World Cup. We don't want to have an upset like we just did with the Olympics. You know, that's an embarrassment. We need to make sure that we have the right pieces going where and be ready for when the World Cup comes up because we need to make it. I totally agree. And that's, you know, what is that? Three Olympics in a row that we haven't made along with the World Cup, uh, us not making that. We, we need to get these young guys in and get them experienced so that they are ready for the, when that opportunity comes, because, you know, while we say that we have the, you know, an amazing roster and possibly the best roster in, in CONCACAF, the world cup is not a shoe in. Um, so let's get these guys ready to hopefully be um, important, important role players when we do have all of our big European guns uh, ready for the world cup qualifying, which comes in September. It's, it's right around the corner. Games are going to come fast and uh, you know, I don't want to say I'm nervous, but with the new, uh, we'll break down um, how the scheduling is later um, in a later episode, but they're going to come quick. They're going to have three games a week instead of two. Yeah. I mean, they're, these young squad pl- rotation players, they're going to be needed. Um, but that ends it for our squad breakdown. Before we go, I do kind of just want to bring up, we've got two big, uh, two big finals this weekend, Guillermo. I want to hear your takes on the Euro final and the Copa America final. Man, the, Euros, crazy. I thought Denmark was going to take it home. I know you wanted them to take it home. I wanted them to. Unfortunately, you know, England has to get that last-minute penalty, but I think Italy takes it all the way. I think Donnarumma is too good of a goalkeeper. And uh, uh, Italy just – they still have that solid mentality where it's a great defense with a good, good goalkeeper. Yeah. may not be Buffon, but 
Tonaruma looks just like him, you know. <laughs> now we saw, you know, we, we saw Italy kind of have issues trying to get at Spain's uh, defense uh, over the week. Do you think they have the same kind of issues against England, or you think they're going to come out and they'll be all right? Oh, I think Spain's defense is better than England's, in my thoughts. I think they overall, when I look at the players, they're all star players in their, mm-hmm. in their actual roles. I mean, there's no Sergio Ramos there or anything, but those are people that can play to that Sergio Ramos level, that PK level. Yeah. So I think England's for sure going to have more struggles against Insigne or any other player like that. I think if Italy plays their slow pace game, midfield, control in the midfield, it's going to be a wrap for England. I think England has to abuse the speed they have in Sterling. Yeah. And just play through the wings and try to attack through those sides because if they're not going to do that, they're going to lose a slow game. Yeah, and last thing, that it England is under a lot more pressure than Italy is, and it'll make it a lot easier for Italy to play that game than England. Um, but then we've got the Copa America final, Messi versus Neymar, Brazil, Argentina. <sighs> this is the game that the whole entire tournament was set up to have, um, in my opinion. And I think Brazil's going to win it, but I want Argentina to win it because I just don't like Neymar. Oh, I mean. And you want to see Messi finally get a, a cup for Argentina. Yeah, I mean, Messi's long overdue for anything. But at the same time, when you look at what Neymar has around him and what Messi has around him, it's kind of hard to see if Argentina's going to win or not. I think that whole team has to step up. I mean, you don't have a... It starts like it used to be before. I mean, you still have Naturo Martinez, mm-hmm. who is so good, but you need better um, supporting cast there for Messi to be doing good. I think that's what he's been missing those years. And they went to penalties with Colombia. Yeah, are I we think- just going to need a magic moment out of Messi? Is that the only way that they can beat Brazil? Yeah, it's hard to say, man, honestly. I think Brazil is the most rounded team in south america oh yeah next next to ecuador but <laughs> it all depends on how they play like brazil could just have an off day you know i mean who knows they did get six six to one against germany in the world cup so it's soccer anything can happen um but yeah i i do think it's it's brazil's total lose being that it also is you know in brazil so i think it, it, it's just if messi can do something he he might do it or you know maybe argentina can just play defense for 120 minutes and try and win in penalties but that wraps it up for us here thank you so much everybody for listening make sure to give us a follow on twitter instagram uh youtube facebook group we've got it all yanks in europe see you guys thanks again guillermo <laughs>